Let me pray for us as we read his word today. Heavenly Father, as we draw near to you and open the glorious book of 1 Peter, we pray that your word would be a double-edged sword, that it would transform and change us, that your spirit would be moving in us. Give us soft hearts, open ears, and give us moments this week to keep dwelling on the message of Christ richly. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, grab your Bibles. We are continuing in our series on 1 Peter and Hope for Exiles, and we are up to chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. So why don't you read with me? As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, let me add my welcome to that given by Stu and Mel before. Uh, My name's now York, and it's really wonderful uh, to bring you God's word today. Have you ever received more than you expected? I was a member of a rowing club because they had this excellent restaurant attached to the club, and I'd always get 10% off my meal. And for a membership of $10 per year, I thought that was pretty good. One evening, we went out to dinner as a family. It was a horrible evening. It was raining. It was windy. So we couldn't sit on the deck and enjoy the view like I was hoping. In fact, there was only one other couple in the whole complex that evening. Obviously, the weather was turning many people away. During the evening, they made an announcement that only just caught my ear, that their members' jackpot had hit the limit. And they'd be giving away the $1,000 prize money in $250 lots to any members who were present. Well, there was only me with my family and one other couple in the whole place. We had a pretty good chance here. In fact, we walked away with $750 in cash just for turning up. We weren't expecting this at all, but it was a very nice surprise. And I love telling people this story as it was a really fun, unexpected story. And maybe something like this has happened to you. Maybe you've got more back on your tax return than you expected last year. Maybe you purchased something that you didn't realize included lots of extra things. Maybe someone has just been extremely generous and kind to you. Or like those ads on TV that tell you if you purchase this product in the next 24 hours, then you'll hear these famous words. But wait, there's more. Well, this is the wonderful news of the passage here. As Christians, we've already been given so much in the Lord Jesus Christ But wait, there's more. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we've already seen that we are a chosen people with an inheritance that can never spoil, fade, or perish. 
We're seeing last week that we are backpackers in this world because we have an eternal heavenly home that awaits us. And this world is not our final destination. For those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've already seen in 1 Peter that we've been given so much that simply we really should be satisfied with this in praising God. But then we continue on to the passage that we're looking at today and it's like the voiceover on TV is saying to us all, but wait, there's more. Today we'll continue to see God's great goodness shown to us even more than what we've already seen. And it's my hope and prayer that this will leave us wanting to declare his praises everywhere we go. But let me pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can look at your word this morning. In what is a very hard time in our lives, we thank you for the awesome hope that we have of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only this, that there is even more blessings that God is wanting to bestow upon us. So as we learn about these today, we pray that you will encourage us, strengthen us, and that this will result in us praising your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first aspect of this passage is that we see we are being built into a spiritual house. Now, if you've got your passage open there, uh, turn to uh, verse 4, and you can see how it starts there by saying, as you come to him. Now, this is connecting our passage with what we looked at last week. Can you remember? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, we see that we're to grow up in our salvation and that we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. As we do this, we're coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the passage starts out today by saying, as you come to him. And notice who he is. He is the living stone. Now for us, Peter seems to just throw in this image of a stone from out of nowhere. But for those who were the Jewish audience in his time, they would have understood this reference to Isaiah. We, however, see what Peter means by Jesus being the living stone in the coming verses. That is, Jesus is the fulfillment of a prophecy from the Old Testament from the book of Isaiah, of a stone that God was planning on laying. And notice in verse 6, the stone that he plans to lay is the cornerstone. God, through the prophet Isaiah, is using metaphorical language here to equate the work of Christ to the cornerstone of a building. When building a house, in order to set the house up well for construction, the builders would traditionally lay down this cornerstone first. And then they would align all the other stones up against this cornerstone to build the rest of the house. If the cornerstone was out, the building would be out. But if the cornerstone was perfect, then the building would be set up that way as well. So it's the most important stone to be laid, isn't it? So that the building can be built correctly. Christ is this perfect stone. The first stone to be laid of a new people that God is building. This is what it means by cornerstone. But more than this, Jesus is the living stone because he was truly human and through his resurrection, he is alive today. Notice in verse 4 that Jesus was chosen by God to be the living stone, but he was rejected by humans, reminding us of how Jesus was nailed to the cross to die at the hands of men. But while men rejected Jesus to God, Jesus is precious. This cornerstone is loved by God. God values him and the sacrifice that he has made. Friends, this is church language here, isn't it? The house that God is building using Christ as the cornerstone is the church, the living church. But wait, there's more. You see, verse 5 goes on to teach us that we too are like living stones. 
when those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ align themselves with him, we too are being built in this, into this spiritual household. We are living because we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his saving death on our behalf to wash away our sin as we inherit eternal life. We can know for sure that we will live forever with him. Even though we die, we will live. So we too become like our Savior. We become living stones being built together spiritually as Christ church. As we are aligned to our cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're being built into this spiritual house to be, can you see it there? To be a royal priesthood. Friends, can you see how this is church language? We are a spiritual house. In other words, as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we become like him. God is building us to be his household. No longer is worshipping God about being in the physical temple, a physical building, but it's being part of his spiritual house. God living within you and living within me. It's spiritual, so it knows no physical bounds. But it's seen visibly when we gather together as God works in our heart and transforms us. But wait, there's more. We also become a holy priesthood. Now, it was the role of the priest in the Old Testament to intercede between God and his people. But now this role has passed on to all who would believe. Those who are part of God's spiritual temple, who conform themselves to Christ, his church, have been set apart. This is what holy means. We have been set apart by God to intercede between God and humankind. And so we pray for everyone. And we let people know about who God is. And we all play a different role in making this happen. In this way, we're offering spiritual sacrifices to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the New Testament seems to indicate that these spiritual sacrifices come through what we say and how we live. In places like Hebrews 13, verse 15, Through Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Or similarly, in Romans 12, verse 1, we see that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. So as we live and speak and we intercede on behalf of our fellow humans, we are offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. My question to you today is, do you know that this is what you are doing when you gather together with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Did you know that you are part of a priesthood of believers? Those who are there to intercede between God and humankind. When we pray for others, the impact of what we say and how we live, it's not only displaying to others who God is, but it's also our spiritual sacrifice to God, acceptable to him. And it's through living this way that it might be God's good purpose to grow his kingdom. Because you see, there's a problem. For those who don't know Jesus, currently he is a stumbling block. Can you see it there in the coming verses? This is my second point for the passage. Christ is a stumbling block to those who do not believe. The four at the beginning of verse 6 connects us with what is to come in the following verses. Why does God call us to be who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ? Why does God call us to be a spiritual house and a royal priesthood? It's because humankind needs someone to intercede on their behalf. Because they just don't get Jesus. In order to show this, Peter takes us back to the Old Testament, to that passage from Isaiah 28 verse 16, which shows the prophet Isaiah prophesying about what God is going to do. That is, as we've already seen, one day God will lay this cornerstone who is precious and chosen and one whom many people will put their trust in. 
one who people will rely upon. We've already seen it, haven't we? This, this cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ. But more than this, to us who believe, this cornerstone is precious. You see, Jesus is precious to us because he died for us and saved us. We've, we've already seen that, haven't we? But to those who do not believe, this cornerstone, the same stone that we believe in, will cause people to stumble and fall. I think of the vaccine, uh, I think of the vaccine rollout in this COVID pandemic and think to myself, it's amazing how one thing can divide people so, so much. I'm so thankful that there's a vaccine and that it's available to us and will help many people to live. Uh, my family and I are doing what we can to get vaccinated. But I read about a man in the USA who was absolutely against the vaccine and he spoke out against it on social media and the like and the news actually picked up on him saying this. But sadly, he contracted COVID-19 and he actually died from it. I just don't understand people like him. He had the opportunity to live with a vaccine, but he chose to ignore the very real message of those encouraging us to get vaccinated. That is, without a vaccine, there is a chance you will die if you contract COVID-19. And he did. But on the flip side of this, my brother who lives in Europe had a three-hour lunch with a guy who he found out later had COVID-19 during the whole lunch that he had with him. But because he was vaccinated, he didn't catch it at all. For me, this is the same with believing in Jesus. Jesus has lived, died and rose again. And the promise, the gift of salvation to all who believe is out there for everyone who would listen to his message. He saved us from God's coming wrath and gives us an inheritance that will never spoil, fade or perish. When I explained this to someone the other day, their response was, this is simply too good to be true. It seems unfair. And I said to him, that's it. That's the gospel. The, the grace of God, his generosity to those who don't deserve it. But there are those out there who just do not get it. In fact, they're anti-Jesus. They want to destroy Christianity and the message of the grace of God going forward. They can't get that God himself in the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on our behalf. To them, this is just a stumbling block. They just don't seem to understand it. Notice how Peter goes on to say why they stumble in verse 8. It's because they're disobedient to the message. They want to be able to live their lives their own way, no matter what the consequences are. And they don't like having anyone to tell them what to do or how to do it. And it means that those people in this world will never find God on their own. And nor should we expect them to embrace Christianity or the teachings of the Bible. Yes, there are some exceptions like Tom Holland, who can see the benefits of Christianity on the world. But even his atheist friends ridicule his position. And unless Tom ends up believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, then really it's all just academic for him, isn't it? Rather, what we see is that they are fulfilling the path that God has destined from them all, in the same way that God has destined the path for those who believe. And this is the third aspect of this passage that we see, and my final point for today, that we are a chosen people of God. Can you see there in verse 9? But you are a chosen people. Now this is a big but. It's back to the language, but wait, there's more. It's contrasting us with those who do not believe and who stumble over Jesus. You see, for, that, for those who do not believe, Jesus, uh, for those who do believe, sorry, Jesus is not a stumbling block. He will not make us fall, but rather we are a chosen people. Like Jesus was chosen by God, we have been as well, chosen to be his people. And notice the corporate nature here. It's as a people we are chosen for God. 
And see how we've been chosen to be a royal priesthood. It's again picking up that language of verse 5. Not only are we a holy priesthood, as we've seen, which basically means that we're set apart to intercede on behalf of God and man, but we're a royal priesthood. Royal because we're part of God's kingly family, the royal family of God. We are a holy nation, a group of people who are set apart for God in his purposes. We are a special possession of God's. Out of all the peoples on earth, God has chosen to love us. Now, friends, we must not underestimate how amazing this is. When Peter was writing this letter, he was writing to both Jews and Gentiles, a new people he was forming. Now, Gentiles are basically anyone who is not a Jew. But both Jews and Gentiles understood what it meant to be part of God's family in different ways. For the Jew, they thought they were God's holy, uh, special possession, a holy nation. And there was no way that the, the Gentile scum could ever be part of this nation, apart from some sort of full conversion to following the Jewish law. And the Gentiles, on the other hand, also thought that without going through some detailed rituals and following the 600-odd Jewish laws that there were, that there was no way they could ever be part of God's people. And for the most part, they didn't want to be. But in Christ... God is making both of them into a new people where both Jew and Gentile can be part of his family because of the work of Christ. No longer is there separation, but we are one in Christ Jesus. Can you see verse 10 there? Once you were not a people of God, but now you are. Once you had not received mercy, but now you are. We need to remember this, friends, that God is the God of making dead things come alive. He is the God of miracles bringing those who had no chance to be part of his family into the fold. And as he brought the Lord Jesus Christ back from the dead, he too can make those who were not considered part of his family, part of his people, to being part of his people. He can make those who seem the furthest away from him, part of his people. Maybe this is your story. Maybe you too were far away from God, living like those around who rejected the gospel. But God who is rich in mercy, has helped you to understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at you now. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a special possession chosen by God. It should lead us all, as verse 9 says, to declaring the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It should lead us to declaring, to speaking out loud as to how good God has been to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. For no other reason that we're, than, than we are so thankful for what God has done. But also because as we do, others who are currently in the darkness may hear what we say, may see how we live, and be drawn into being part of God's people as we intercede on their behalf. I mean, how good would this be? Well, friends, let me conclude. I hope that you've been encouraged by this passage as I've been in preparing this talk. How great is our God I hope you've been encouraged by all that God has given to us and who he has made us to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that you can see why those around really just don't get this. But that you and I have been made into a holy nation, a royal priesthood, so that we can declare the praises of him who called us out of this darkness into his wonderful light. And so my challenge to you today is this. Are you declaring his praises? Are you declaring them in the way that you live? Are you declaring God in the way that you live so that you honor him and show him to be your Lord in everything that you do? Are you declaring the praises of God in what you say to your family and friends, 
so that they can see the joy that you have in knowing him as your Lord and Savior. Are we as a church taking our role as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation seriously in the way that we intercede on behalf of humankind? Well, friends, today let me encourage you to pause and reflect on this. What can you change about your life in order to make this happen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for all the Lord Jesus Christ has done to us. I pray that it will fill us with joy as we know who we are in him, as we gather together as a church, a spiritual house. Help us to know who we are, this royal priesthood. And as a result of this joy overflowing from us, Heavenly Father, help us to live for him in all that we do and all that we say, so those around might see the great joy that we have and want to be part of this as well. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll give us great wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Mel, thank you very much. We've got a bunch of questions that have come in already on the phone. Thank you. Um, we've got room for more, so you can send more. Um, Mel, I've got a couple of questions here, and I'm going to come and bring them together uh, to um, maybe make sense out of them. Um, and it goes something like this. These um, spiritual sacrifices that we're supposed to offer, what are they and, and what would that look like? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think that what I read in other parts of the New Testament, uh, when I was pointing to those passages from like Hebrews and Romans, it's about uh, what we say and, and what we do, how we live. Um, and so our sacrifices are, are uh, I guess, the way that we live and the way that we speak. Um, so uh, as we speak about God, are we speaking uh, of the wonderful joys of knowing God, of, of what it means to be in a relationship with him? Are we living in accordance with that? Um, uh, so it shows to all around that we are his people. Uh, and so it's as we live, as we speak, these are the spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. And they're acceptable because of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done. And this is our response to him in that way. Could I drill into that a little bit for Further, um, so we talk about the speaking sort of part. Um, in a pandemic, that kind of, you know, declaring God's praises piece, how does that work? What, what would that look like for us? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, think it's, um, I, I think there's a whole bunch around prayer here that we can be doing. Um, we've got lots of friends and family who are hurting. Are we praying for them? Are we letting them know that we're praying for them? Are we asking? Are we calling them up and saying, hey, you might be doing it really hard. Can we pray for you? Can we intercede between God and man with you? And so I'd be really encouraging you to be proactive in your speech, especially around this prayer piece. Fantastic. Um, I've got uh, a text that's come in that's not a question. It's just a comment, and I love it. So I'm just going to read it out, okay? (laughs) Uh, It says, um, good message for believers, but a challenge for me to intercede for those who don't believe. Uh, I definitely recommend the book, Seven Reasons to Reconsider Christianity uh, by Ben Shaw. Um, I have several friends and family who have been turned away from church because of the damage to them. So that piece that you're just talking about of prayer, but also of speaking out uh, God's praises, love it. Totally, and and totally how we're living as well. I mean, you know, we're not perfect here at church as well. uh, But one thing we don't want to be accused of is being a hypocrite. Of, of, uh, and so it really matters how we live and how people see us and how we love one another. Uh, Jesus commands us to do that. Are we actually loving one another first and foremost? They're really good, great questions to think right. through. Thank you so much, Mel. 